For to us a child is born. A child is born. To us a son is given. The government will be on. The government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Merry Christmas. It's good to see you. I love Christmas Eve services. How uh, you guys look good. You really do. How, how do I look? I mean, I, honestly, I, I went for red. Is it red enough? Do you feel like it's red enough? <laughs> Thank you for the overwhelming um, affirmation on Christmas Eve. I want to welcome those of you. They were going crazy at the campuses, so I just need to welcome them. Hey, you guys, glad that you're along at the campuses, and we're going to celebrate Christmas Eve together, and it wouldn't be as good without you. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Can I? How many of you are done with your Christmas shopping? How many of you are done? Okay. All right, about 40, 50 percent. All right, good. You need to get with it now. We got to get it, got to get it done. Uh, let me ask you this, uh, just to help you a little bit. Those who haven't gotten it done, how many of you honestly have regifted a gift this year? Okay, real quick. How many of you have honestly regifted a gift? Okay, put it up, put it up. That's all right. I think that is excellent stewardship. I really do. It's green. It's everything. You know what I'm saying? Because what else are you going to do with some of the stuff? That you get. I, I regifted some excellent stuff this year, and I, I'm sure that my friends will be happy uh, indeed to pass it on next year. <laughs> Let me ask you another question. How many of you have something in your life that you wish that you could change this, this Christmas? Something in your life you wish you could change? You know, for some of you, it might be, you know, your health. You're, you're sick at Christmas time. It's a bummer to be sick any time of the year, but especially during the holidays, and you just didn't plan on this. For Christmas, for some of you, it may be more serious than that. It may be that uh, this is a sickness that just came this year and it's stayed with you, and, and you wish you could change it. For some of you, it, it may very well be you wish that things weren't so crazy during the Christmas season. 
You're just about coming down to the end of it and you're making some resolutions already for next year. And it's just not going to be like this. Some of you wish you had more money. How of you wish you had more money this Christmas? And it's kind of like as, as you watch the wife or the kids or whoever or the husband, you know, put the stuff on the credit cards, you're going, oh, and it's almost bringing out this, this kind of Scrooge thing inside of you uh, because this year, because economically, some of the times that we're living in, maybe you have a little bit less uh, resources in order to celebrate Christmas. Or how have you wished that your family... Uh, just weren't candidates for the Jerry Springer show. How, how many of you that, that, that keep your hand down, okay? Because they're, they're, they may be visiting with you uh, at Christmas Eve services. Well, you know, whatever it is, it's real easy to lose the focus of Christmas and the peace that God wants to give us uh, this Christmas. We've been studying as a church over the last four years the Christmas uh, prophecy from the book of Isaiah. If you've been here, you've kind of tracked along with us. And I would like to read that, and then we're going to jump over uh, to the Christmas story. So on the screens, you'll see uh, the words. And if you wouldn't mind just reading aloud with me and at the campuses, if, if you would read also. Isaiah 9, 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Over the last three weeks, we've dealt with the first three kind of descriptions of God. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And tonight I want us to look at the concept that Jesus would be called, and God reveals Himself in Jesus as the Prince of Peace. That's one of the things I love about Christmas Eve services. It's just the sense of peace. We take a deep breath because all of the busyness, the parties, the shopping generally is over. I love the Christmas carols. They're hard to sing, but I love them. I love the lighting of the candles. I love the reading of the Christmas story, a sense of peace. And I hope that in the hour that we spend together here, you will sense just a little bit of the peace that God has for you at Christmas time. In fact, let's read the Christmas story. I want to go over and I'll read this one. But it's Luke chapter 2 and verse, verse 8. Isaiah had prophesied that there was coming a child and that he would be the Prince of Peace. We pick it up in verse uh, 8 of Luke chapter 2. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. There it is again, peace to men. Great story. The problem with that story is that there really, if you look at the whole Christmas story, there's not a lot of peace in it, to be honest with you. I mean, we love to have the little cards, you know, with the camels and the the kings and the shepherds and all of that. But the facts are, in the story, there was an unwed, pregnant teenager who has to get on a donkey in the ninth month of her pregnancy and ride 90 miles, the equivalent of from here to Columbia, 
And once they get there, there's no room in the hotels in the town. Big convention, evidently, going on in town. There isn't any room. And so they have to go to the barn. And the barn really isn't a barn. It's a cave, and it's full of animals and all of the things that animals produce. And besides that, there's no epidural. How many of you know that is not peace, okay? That is not peace on earth. And to make it worse, back in the city... There's a king named Herod who's really threatened by this brand new prince of peace that's coming. And so he puts out a decree that all of the baby boys, two years old and under, are killed. And so not only is there not peace in the cave, there's not peace in the city, and there's not peace anywhere. And that's the case today. There are a lot of people today that aren't experiencing much peace. There are people that are... Uh, not experiencing marital peace. Their marriage is, is just at, at wit's end. And, and some of you may, may be here uh, tonight or in the campuses uh, tonight, and it's a struggle even to come with the one that you've come with. Or maybe there's just heartache going on. There's obviously financial peace, not just here in our community or in the United States, but it's starting to go around the world. A worldwide depression, not much peace. There's relationships that are strained. You pop on the, on the news and you'll see, you know, what's the next stock market crash? What's the next terrorist attack? What's going on? I have some friends that in order to keep some sense of peace in this Christmas season, they said, we're fasting all media because there's just so much chaos going on. Well, let me ask you a question. At the risk of being a heretic, Jesus was predicted to come and be the Prince of Peace, and He came and it was declared to the shepherds that there was peace on earth, and there isn't peace hardly anywhere. Did Jesus fail in his mission to be the Prince of Peace? Did he fail? Now, before you throw rocks at me, <laughs> let me just say it depends on your definition of peace. Um, do you have, do you have, we, we all have, you know, Christmas memories. Um, uh, we, we have Christmas traditions and, and we have Christmas memories. One of my Christmas memories was, as a church, was of a, a Christmas Eve service uh, several years ago uh, that we did uh, at the Omar Shrine Temple. Some of you were there. Well, let me tell you, it was quite a night because uh, we got a rainstorm like only you can get in Charleston. It was like, you know, a tropical storm in December. It was just incredible. And, and we saw it coming, and we began to pray, God, you know, stop this rain. We're going to have a, you know, Christmas Eve service and all this kind of stuff. And, and the closer we got to it, the more we saw that our prayer, prayers were just really not working that particular night. And so we got a plan, and here's what we did. We went out to all the stores we could find, and we bought as many umbrellas in the city as we could get. And they looked something like this. This is a nice one. It's got seacoast on it. Do you see it? it? It was bigger than this, not quite as nice as this. And what we did was we recruited some volunteers, some guys who were willing to, you know, kind of take one for the team and they would go and they would hold the umbrellas and they would go to the cars and they would help people in because here was the problem at the Omar Shrine Temple at that particular point the parking lot was not paved okay it was just a, a kind of kind of a dirt and gravel and all that kind of stuff and it rained for a few hours before our Christmas Eve service till there were the Wando River had rechanneled into the Omar it, it looked like that that's what it looked like and so we asked some guys would you walk them in and they knew that they were going to get soaked but they were going to try to keep people dry. And I watched that night 
as people came in. It was just an interesting sight to see. Because most of the people were really very, very grateful that somebody would sacrifice, get wet themselves, come and give an umbrella. And so they would get underneath the umbrella and they would follow, even though it didn't look like at first these guys were going directly to the door because these guys knew where there were channels of water going and so they had to kind of navigate all around and they'd been through it. And so there were people that walked really close to them and kept really close to them and were very grateful when they got in relatively dry into the Christmas Eve services. Now, there were some other people, and I'm not going to point to any of them here tonight, but there were some other people that was kind of fun to watch because they have issues, okay? Followership issues, I think, because what would happen is they would get under the umbrella and they'd begin to walk and they'd see the door over here and the guy's going this way and they're thinking, I know how to get to the door, and they would walk this way and the umbrella would go this way and they would get soaked, And then they'd have to get back under the umbrella and that would last just for a minute and they would get out again and get soaked again. And by the time, and the worst place to be on an umbrella is halfway in, halfway out. How do you know that? Because it just comes right here like crazy. And so they got absolutely soaked. And there were some other people I just don't understand because it was raining cats and dogs. And these people, usually guys, would say, I don't need an umbrella. That's fine. I'll just run in. I won't get that wet. And why did they do that? Well, some of them thought they could outrun the rain. You know, God bless you and good luck. Some of them, it was, a, it was kind of the, um, the social issue. I don't want to be under an umbrella with a dude I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, kind of this weird dance of walking around or, or whatever. So it was kind of a fun, fun night. And what's that got to do with the Prince of Peace? Let's define peace. It says that he is the Prince of Peace. It comes from two Hebrew words. The first one is sar. Say it together. Sar. And sar, uh, literally, sar li- literally means uh, this. It means that, um, <laughs> got it in my notes here. Here it is. <laughs> sar means the one in charge. The one in charge. Sar means Lord, chief, general. It's the word from which the Russians got the word sar, C-Z-A-R, for the czar that was in charge of Russia for so many years. It's the word that later on in Israel came to be uh, Caesar, and Caesar was Lord. Caesar was the ruler. So Jesus was the Tsar of peace, shalom. Shalom was a, was a greeting that people gave one another, shalom, which meant peace to you and peace to your household. It, 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 it literally uh, meant rest and tranquility and wholeness and completeness. And so Jesus was to be the ruler, the Lord of tranquility and peace. And as long as you are under His umbrella, His lordship, His rulership of peace, you can have peace. But the only way an umbrella... How do you know that an umbrella works best when you're under it? Okay? When you're over here, it doesn't work so hot. Now, the truth is that it doesn't mean uh, that storms won't come in your life when you're underneath the umbrella of peace. In fact, God oftentimes uses storms to draw us to His umbrella of peace. That's how some of you came to Jesus. In fact, most people do. They come in a storm. They've been in a storm. And they just get soaked. For some of you, maybe it started as a child. And something happened when you were young and you got hurt. And the pain was was so bad that you were angry and you didn't want to tell anybody about it. So you began to medicate it and you began to self-medicate it. Maybe it was with drugs or maybe it was with alcohol or maybe it was with sex. 
And it was okay at first, but then it kind of got out of control and you thought you could control it and you couldn't. And it began to control you. And you were getting soaked. And you called out to God. And Jesus offered you an umbrella in the rain. And when you stepped under it, maybe you came to a church, maybe you just cried out a prayer to God. When you stepped under it, there was all of a sudden a sense of peace under the umbrella. For some of you, maybe it wasn't drugs or alcohol or sex. You may have, you, it might have been a marriage or a relationship that really, really had gone wrong. And you felt helpless. You were getting soaked. And somebody invited you to church or talked to you about Jesus. And Jesus offered you an umbrella. And you got underneath of it. And you found peace. Some of you were really lonely. Maybe you had moved or maybe it was a, a relational breakup or you, you know something, something had happened in your life and you started to get a little depressed about it. And somebody invited you to church. And you heard about hope and you heard about peace and Jesus offered you an umbrella and you experienced that peace. Storm. God used the storm to draw you to the umbrella so that He could give you protection and peace. For some of you, it wasn't an all-out storm. It was just kind of a little mist, okay? Maybe it was like this. I hear this a lot. You had your first child, okay? And you'd kind of dropped out of church in your college years or high school years or whatever, and you got married, had your first child, and oh, now what do we do? You know, how do we train them? What, what's the, you know, maybe they need a spiritual foundation. And so you brought them to church just to get them kind of a spiritual foundation. And after a while, you figured out, you know, I could use some of this. And Jesus offered you an umbrella, and you came under it, and you found the sar of shalom, peace. Or, or, or maybe you woke up one day and asked, why am I here? <laughs> Why do I do what I do? Is there a greater purpose in life? And what's my purpose? And your search led you to God and you heard about Him having a purpose for you to glorify Him and works for you to do that are designed specifically for you. And it resonated with your spirit. And so what you did is you got under the umbrella and you experienced the sar of Shalom prince of peace. Or maybe you had a near miss. Maybe you had a medical emergency. Something happened. It was a close call. And after you came out of it, you you got to thinking a little bit more about, hey, what happens when I die? You know, is, is this the end of it? Where do I go? And it literally scared the... No, I can't use that word. <laughs> Christmas Eve. Grandma wouldn't like it. But it scared something out of you. And so you picked up the umbrella. And you came under the sar of shalom. And as long as you're under the rule and the lordship of Christ, you can experience peace. See? But the problem is this. A lot of us are like some of those people that I saw in the parking lot several years ago at the Christmas Eve service when the rain was coming down. It looked like a river was there. They started walking under the umbrella and you started walking with Christ. And so long as you were with Christ, you had peace, but then you began to kind of take your own path and do your own deal. Some of you even produced your own little umbrella. I'm going to do it this way. You started sleeping with people you're not married to and you started having fights with your spouse and going to bed angry and, and not really caring about that and, and your peace went away. 
and you started, you know, racking up all kinds of stuff on the credit card and living way above your means and, and the peace went away. You're getting soaked. Why? Because you're out here kind of doing it your way, the way that you think is right, and the umbrella's over here, and, and you're not experiencing the peace that God intended for you. See, if you'll stay under the umbrella, God can give you peace that the Bible says is hard to understand. In fact, there could be storms going on all around you. The world can be coming apart. In fact, I'm I'm thinking this might be kind of apropos for this next year. We we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen financially. We're hoping for the best and we're praying hard. And sometimes when we pray, God changes circumstances. And sometimes when we pray, He offers an umbrella. And He says, you know what? You can have peace in the midst of whatever circumstances that you're in. Would that be helpful to you? Well, what kind of peace does the Prince of Peace offer? Let me just give you a couple of ideas and then we'll kind of make application to our lives. First kind of peace is what I call comforting peace. Comforting peace. In fact, John 14 and verse 27, Jesus Himself said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You ever afraid? You ever have a, a, a lack of peace? You, you just feel troubled? Wouldn't it be handy if you could borrow somebody else's peace? Hey, could I have your peace for just a minute? Okay. You know, somebody that's really calm says, could, could, could I have that? And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm not going to let you borrow it. I give you my peace. Philippians 4 and verse 6 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You know, that, that, that's the only two options we've got when a storm comes, is either we're going to worry about it or we're going to pray. He says, why don't you pray? Why don't you get under the umbrella? Why don't you walk with me, pray, experience my peace? He says, tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Tell, tell Him what you need. Pray, pray for the storm to go away. That's okay. Pray, pray, pray. And God may take the storm away or He may give you an umbrella, but either way, you're going to be better for it. Verse 7, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. I, I, I call it peace that doesn't make any sense. You ever experienced that? You're in the midst of incredible turmoil, and God gives peace that doesn't make any sense my years of pastoring here, I've seen it in several situations. The most extreme is, is when you've got a family that's lost a loved one. That's the hardest thing any of us could ever experience. There's nothing harder than that, especially if it's one of your kids. Loses a loved one. And I put my arm around him. I don't know what to say. And over and over, I've heard several times people say to me, you know what, I don't know how we could have gotten through this without God. What do you mean? There's just a sense here that doesn't make any sense, a sense of peace. God can give you that. God can give you that. Some of you need that comforting peace today. It's the first Christmas for you since, and you just fill in the blank, since the move, since the loss, since the divorce, since the bankruptcy. 
And Jesus offers you His umbrella of peace. He says, come stand with me. Come under my rule. I'm the Tsar of Shalom. Last part of the verse says, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So Jesus offers comforting peace and He also offers saving peace. And you need that. Romans 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. It says this. Get this. It says, We have peace with God, not because of all of the good things that we do and hoping that, you know, we're hoping that we get to heaven someday and God says, well, your good things outweighed your bad things and so welcome home. You can be with me. Because none of us want to live next door in heaven to someone whose bad stuff outweighs their good stuff, right? And so we're all hoping that God only lets the good people in and we're hoping we're good enough. Is that not right? We're hoping that He grades on a curve because we know somebody that's really bad and we know we're better than them, right? And yet it says that it's not based on any of that, but it's because of what Jesus has done. Jesus has done. You say, well, Greg, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I don't really feel God's peace. There are a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes the reason that we don't feel God's peace is because God allows you a strategic absence of peace so that you will understand your need of Him and so that you'll come over and stand with Him underneath the umbrella of peace. I grew up in a preacher's home. My dad was pretty fundamental. We we'd studied a lot about the end times. He preached a lot about the end times. And he talked about a, an event called the rapture that you know a lot of Christians believe will happen you know before the end times or whatever, and that the church would be taken away, the real Christians would, and some people would be left, and all this. And so th- there were times growing up that I did things that probably weren't as good as what I should have probably done. But anyway, I'd come home from school every once in a while. Usually, mom was home when I got home, and I'd come home every once in a while, and mom was gone, dad was gone, nobody was gone, and it was quiet. How do you know too much peace is not a good thing? Quiet. And, and, and I would think, hmm, I wonder where they are. I wonder if Jesus came back, took them away and left me. <laughs> and, I, and when I would think that, I would think about all the reasons why he probably would. Okay? Sometimes at night I would wake up and it would be really quiet in the house. And I would tiptoe upstairs because I wanted to go into my parents' bedroom to see if they were still there. I'd usually go over to mom's side because dad was a preacher, but mom was a lot more holy. And I figured he might be left. That wouldn't be good news for me. But if she was still there, it would be okay. It would be okay. And what happened was, what happened was, I became very aware of my own sinfulness. And God used that and allowed the strategic absence of peace to draw me to Him and to submit my will and my life to Him and walk under the umbrella. What about you? Are you aware of your own sinfulness? Are you? It's Christmas Eve. Why don't I make you aware of it? Okay? Let's have a little survey. Let's have a little survey. How many of you have ever told a lie? How many of you have ever told a lie? Okay? All right, about 80% of the crowd are honest and the other 20% are really liars. Okay? All right? How many of you ever stolen anything? Taken anything that wasn't yours? How many of you? Okay. Okay, several of you, most of you. I'd say probably all of you. 
How many of you, be careful about this one. How many of you ever have looked lustfully at someone else? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know that. <laughs> Gives me creepy feelings about you, okay? <laughs> Jesus said, if you lust in your heart, what is it? It's, it, it's, it's adultery. So, so here's, here's, here's what I can say about everybody here and probably at the campuses too, is that most of you are lying, thieving adulterers. Now, if God judged you based on the Ten Commandments, okay? Remember those, top ten? Would you be innocent or guilty? Now, that's not a trick question. Guilty. Guilty. No wonder there's an absence of peace. Because outside of the umbrella is where you're at. Of the only one, the Tsar of Shalom, that can bring peace. And that, my friends, is why... My friends, I just had a McCain moment. (laughs) Let's get it back. We we had it right there. You were right there. That's why Christmas is so very important. Because it says that Jesus came, God, born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, sinless in all that He did. He was born in Bethlehem. Why is that important? Because we're all conceived of earthly fathers. We have a sin nature. We have a bent towards sin. We are drawn toward sin. Don't believe that's true. I mean, I've I've had four children. I have two grandchildren now. I have never had to sit down and have a class on how to sin with my kids. Okay, kids, tonight we're going to talk about selfishness, how to be selfish, okay? No, it's just natural. 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 But Jesus didn't have that. He didn't have a sin nature. He became the innocent sacrifice for our sin, slain on the cross, raised again in order to bring peace to those who would come under His rule. Here's what we're going to do. The Seacoast, we always end our services with just a short time of response. It's how do we respond to God? I've I've talked to you now. What is God saying specifically to you? Our worship teams at all the campuses are going to come up in just a minute. They're going to lead us in a couple of Christmas carols. And in the very first part, you're just going to kind of quietly reflect, God, what are you saying to me? And can, can I say this? Some of you are outside of the umbrella of Jesus' rule of peace. And you know it. You try to be good. You hope that you're good enough. You try not being bad, but you still do bad things. What do you have to do? What do you have to do to come under the rule of the Prince of Peace? Here it is. Here's the umbrella. You take a step of faith and you step under. You you say, God, I want to be under your rule. Teach me how to walk with you through the storms of life, through the good days of life. I want to follow you. See, that's it. During response time, if you, if you find yourself outside, you've never really submitted yourself to the rule of Christ, I want you to go to the cross. We've got crosses in this auditorium, the other auditoriums, and, and there's a little piece of paper there, and I want you to write on that piece of paper, I need your peace. You know, there are some of us here that haven't experienced the peace of God in a long time. We're getting soaked by the storms that we're going through. 
Would you do the same thing? Would you be so bold as during the response time, just get up, go to the cross, nobody's watching you anyway, and just write on a little piece of paper, I need your peace. Some of you need God's comforting peace. You're going through a tough storm. Maybe you've lost something or somebody or there's just something going on in your life. We've got candles at every auditorium and maybe you want to just go to the candles and maybe if you've got family or friends with you, go together and light a candle and as you light it, just whisper a simple prayer like this. May the peace of Jesus light up this dark area of my life. I want to experience your peace. And then when we're done with that, all of us who have chosen to submit themselves to the Prince of Peace and to walk under His umbrella, we're going to come and we're going to receive communion together. And we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus loved us so much that He died for us. He was not only born in Bethlehem, He lived a sinless life and He died on a cross. And we're going to celebrate that in communion. And can I say to you, for some of you, this may be your first communion. This may be the first time that you've said to God, I come under the Lordship of the Prince of Peace. We welcome you to the table. Then we're going to stand and sing and celebrate. We're going to give our offerings to Him in the boxes on the wall. And we're going to just celebrate a God who loves us incredibly. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You tonight for Your grace. Thank You for the Prince of Peace. The Tsar of Shalom. God, I pray that your peace would settle in our hearts in this building and in buildings where we're gathered together tonight to celebrate Christmas Eve. God, I pray that you would help us to be honest with you about where we are in our walk with you. I pray that you would help us to be courageous enough just to take steps of faith, to step under the umbrella of your blessing and your peace. God, I pray for those who may very well be in a very difficult situation tonight. God, I pray that your peace would settle in their hearts. And for all of us, may we have a time of just rejoicing in who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.